Hello, everyone. I'm Priest Willis, and this is Missions and Marketplace Podcast, episode number 34. Today, I'm joined by Omar Zenholm. Omar is the CEO of Webinar Ninja and the chief talker with a $100 MBA. Omar loves rooting for the underdog and telling it like it is. He is the business brains behind the operation with over 14 years of building experience. He was an educator and university manager for 13 years. Omar attended Warden Business School and dropped out in frustration to build the $100 MBA. Him and his wife are on a mission to revolutionize business education forever. Omar is the curriculum developer, content creator, and head instructor at the $100 MBA. This guy and his wife are truly building something that adds value to those who want to create a business, those who want to get into business, or those who are just interested in hearing about business and the different workings behind it. I know, and you'll hear me confess this during our discussion, this is one podcast that I've soaked up. Literally, I've went to bed, listened to a lot of episodes. I've woke up the next day, listened to a lot of episodes, and there is vital information in here. I hope you enjoy listening to them, and I hope that this conversation in itself adds value value to you and your business. Without further ado, here's my man, Omar Zenholm. Welcome to Missions and Marketplace Podcast. Join us as we talk to business and thought leaders who discuss their passion in and outside of business and how it drives them to give and be citizens of goodwill. Let's get started. Omar, welcome to the program. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, excited to have you. Honestly, I I say this to everyone, this is becoming like a Jimmy Fallon or someone type of thing where you tell everybody you're excited for them to be here. But I am truly excited for you to be here because you're just someone's podcast that I've been just soaking up constantly. You are, for me personally, just one of my favorite dudes and you don't even know it yet. So That's so sweet, Priest. Thank you so much for that. It means so much, you know, as, as a fellow podcaster, you know how much it means to hear that somebody's getting something out of your podcast. Yeah, definitely. It does mean a lot. Why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Who who are you? What what have you been up to? Sure. I am uh, the founder of the $100 MBA and the $100 MBA show, as well as a, a software called Webinar Ninja. Um, I started my career in education. I was a teacher and uh, middle manager. I was a head of department in education for a number of years, over 13 years. And uh, I kind of dabbled into entrepreneurship while I was teaching. Uh, I was trying to see if I can make that dollar online, see if it's even possible. I mean, I started back in 2000 before there was any PayPal or WordPress or anything like that. So, you know, I read a lot of books and I experimented a lot, made a lot of mistakes where I, uh, fortunately, I I could afford those mistakes because I was um, in a day job, you know, I was working in my career. But eventually I, I decided to leave education and start my own thing. I know that a lot of people are in a position like that right now where they want to transition into entrepreneurship, but they don't necessarily uh, have the skills or the knowledge uh, when it comes to you know marketing, sales, finance, how to validate a business idea. And a lot of us feel insecure when we do that. And I wanted to create a space where people can learn and communicate and be part of a community. And that's where the $100 MBA was born, which is exactly what it sounds like, a $100 MBA education. So... You know, we we launched the 100 MBA show, our podcast that you mentioned in August 2014. It's a daily business podcast, which there are daily 10 minute business lessons. You know, it, we were fortunate enough to to grow our audience, and we're able to um, get recognized by iTunes as best of iTunes in 2014, which is an incredible honor. And uh, you know, 
after two years of hard work, you know, we've reached a point where now we have about 50,000 downloads every day, which has been a great accomplishment for us to wow. be able to reach so many people and be able to help people as they uh, grow in their business journey. You definitely have an amazing story. And I love kind of your journey because in one sense, you, you kind of have this idea of who you think you are and what you're going to do for the rest of your life. And then obviously there's different veers that happen within your career. But when you take a step back, you can see all along how you ended up being who you are. So, I mean, you were a teacher, so mm-hmm. it was a natural it may not seem like back then, but it was a natural transition to become sort of a teacher as you do podcasting. Because I've listened to you talk about things, you know, people put in questions about what happened if, you know, a client wants to do a chargeback on a credit card and you'll teach them something real small there. So you're just like naturally a teacher. So it comes real natural in the podcast too. Yeah. I mean, the only correction I would make, Priest, is that I probably wouldn't say I was a natural at teaching just because <laughs> it took me a very long time because I remember my first days of teaching, I was terrified. I didn't look my students in the eye. I had no classroom management. I didn't know how to, I didn't know the first thing about instruction, you know, or how to present a lesson and make sure that, you know, comprehension takes place. But the funny thing about consistency is that you have so many chances to learn, so many mm. chances to get it right. You know, and when you're in that classroom every single day, five times a day, six times a day, you know, you shake off those fears, you shake off those apprehensions. And, you know, year after year, I got better. I started to get more comfortable with it. I started to find my own style. Um, and then when I went into, you know, full-time entrepreneurship and I started the $100 MBA and the $100 MBA show podcast, I realized that if I'm going to compete in this marketplace, I have to leverage my strengths. I have to use my strengths. And my strength is teaching. You know, like there's not a lot of podcasters out there that could say I, you know, they have a master's in education and have taught for 13 years at several levels. So I had that going for me. So it wouldn't make any sense for me to do an interview podcast. So (laughs) I decided to do a lesson based podcast and help people directly in short nuggets of 10 to 12 minutes of how to do something specific in their business, how to improve something, how to change the way they think about something. I just found my groove there. And I think that kind of is our unique differentiator. And that's why people listen. What would you say, how was your first couple of podcasts, maybe even the ones you didn't launch, the beginning ones that you scrapped? Were you kind of nervous then or how did... did Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've been a podcast listener for some time, you know, um, for probably, you know, eight years or so when podcasting started. I, I always loved listening to them. And then I went to a conference. It was called New Media Expo. And everybody, the buzz was podcasting back then, 2013. And everyone was like, okay, you should you should start a podcast. And then I just thought podcasting was one way and you can have to do it this way. And it had to be interview style. And uh, we launched a podcast. We interviewed experts. And it was great because I got to meet so many people. But I quickly realized I'm not really good at this. I'm not really good at interviewing. Mm. It's not coming natural. And we just we just had a failed podcast. It just didn't go well. We we did it for about six months. We had about 50, 46 episodes and it was it was a good run. And and then, you know, Nicole and I, Nicole's my business partner and wife, and we um we went on a road trip and we just thought to ourselves, like, why is this not working? Like, what's going on? And the penny dropped, you know, like we, we need to do something that leverages our strengths, you know, like let's let's teach instead of you know, interview. And we thought, you know, would that work in the business world? And we th- we thought about, it, hey, you know, people teach languages on podcasts. You know, there's Coffee Break French, Coffee Break Fran- Spanish, which is a, you know, language teaching podcast. Why don't we teach the language of business? And uh, that kind of was the, the birth of, of the $100 MBA show. And, um, you know, we took a lot of time in crafting that show. 
we took it really seriously. We, we, we just said no to any, uh, to all our clients. We stopped launching any products or anything like that. We took two months straight to kind of craft that show. We recorded probably episode one over 10 times and edited it and had people listen to it. And we just really wanted to get the sound right, the, the format right, and just have its own feeling. You know, I was so glad that I took that time to do that and craft that. And it was just a good way to start that show. It's a really good story because a lot of times you listen to these guys who are pretty sharp in podcasting or sharper in podcasting. And, you know, you tend to think, well, I'll never be at that level. So why do I even bother? But you just mentioned that you had 46 episodes in the can, essentially, and you just decided, hey, this isn't me. And you were willing to kind of make the adjustment. And I think this is a lesson for myself and other entrepreneurs as they're listening that, hey, it's okay to think that you have a strong plan going out the gate, but you know, be willing to make adjustments. And, you know, mm-hmm. I always say this, but knowing who you aren't sometimes helps you to know who you are. That's true. Yeah. And I think, you know, ultimately that's what you and your wife, uh, Nicole, decided is that, you know, this interview process just as in us, more the teaching side. Now you were teaching in Dubai, right? Yeah. I was teaching at the university there. So you brought back the experience that you had teaching and teaching in Dubai and having the business background that you do going to Rutgers and all this other cool stuff. So although you were nervous, I still think you had the tools that kind of made it natural, more natural than some of the other people, because your nerves, Omar, may be far different than the guy that's never done it. He may be a total mess. So you had something to lay back on to help you through it a little bit. Yeah, I mean... Next month, we're going to be celebrating episode 800 of the $100 MBA show, which wow. is so, so fun. But I, I cringe when I listen to the first 200 episodes of the $100 MBA show. You know, I was still finding my groove. I was still trying to find my voice with this new show. And, you know, it, you're always improving. And I always say that if you can't look back and cringe at the work that you've done, then you're not improving. You need to have cringeworthy work. You know, you have to have that in your arsenal. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. It's fine. But you have to just, you have to put it out there and you have to try and you got to keep on going. And, one of the blessings I feel that I have with the Hunter All show being daily is that, you know, it allows me to constantly improve my craft and, and try to analyze what I've done and, and really sit back and think. We spoke about sports a little bit before the show. And one of the things that I love to remind myself is that, you know, in any sport, in any game, it's hard to win a game or, you know, win the match if you never take any timeouts. Mm. You need to take a timeout. You need to, how are you doing? What's going on? Are we on track? Is this going right? Do we need to replace things? Do we need to change things up, change the game plan. You know, you have to regroup, and I'm glad that we did. I like that. That's the first time I ever heard that kind of analogy, but that's a really great way of looking at things is you have to take a time out for your business and assess who do you think you are in this place. Because sometimes, you know, when we create business plans, And I'm sure you have, as I have, Mm -hmm. that when you create a business plan and you look back a year later to see what you wrote a year previously, those plans in a lot of cases have changed completely or, you know, in some sense, they've changed far different than what you what you thought of. So we really do have to take some time out to kind of reassess where we think we stand. This kind of brings me to another question, Omar. You know, as you're doing your analyzing and you're reassessing kind of your place in podcasting or business in general, do you find yourself comparing yourself to the quote unquote competition or are you just keeping your head down, focusing on what you think your call is? How do you really get a better understanding of your place Mm. in the space? I would say um, more of the latter. Like, I think it's very unhealthy for you to constantly be comparing yourself to other people because you're never going to get anywhere because you have to do you. You have to focus on what you can do, your strengths, and produce your work. I try to 
block out the noise as much as possible because Mm -hmm. it will influence your work. Not only, you know, your whole self-esteem, but also just if you're constantly looking at somebody's work or, you know, analyzing somebody's work, you're going to start copying them by mistake. Mm -hmm. You're going to start doing it their way just because you're influenced by that. And you don't want that to happen when you're, you're trying to create your body of work. Um, having said that, you know, I do have close friends that are in the podcasting world. Uh, we do have these discussions. So we, you know, we kind of share our best practices. How do you market? How do you try to, you know, do new things? Like what's your work schedule like? You know, that's that's a healthy conversation. But when it comes to the actual product, you really want to make sure that, you know, you're focusing on your thing and not really worrying about what everybody else is doing. Mm-hmm. So you, you talked about having Webinar Ninja, which you started about two years ago, I think it is, if I'm mm-hmm. not sure. Was it based on your previous businesses, including this one, where people started having questions about their very own businesses? That was the catalyst of the $100 MBA show? Or just in general, were you finding yourself consulting with other business owners and you just said, you know what, there's a real opportunity to start helping people here? I loved webinars just because, you know, my background being in teaching, I used to do a lot of webinars for the $100 MBA. I just didn't like the tools that I had to use to run a webinar. It was very cumbersome, very hard to use. There was a lot of moving parts. There was a lot of work just to run one webinar. And I just uh, decided to create something for myself, not even for sale. But then a lot of my attendees decided, you know, asked me, you know, what are you using for this webinar? And I said, you know, it's just something I put together, slapped together for myself. And they just said to me, you know, can I buy it? And I thought, maybe uh, let me let me see if I can put a sales page up you know I talked to my partner Nicole and we discussed it and we said hey listen you know do we want to get into the software business do we even have a product for sale like is this even worth doing and we, th- we thought let the, let the audience decide that so we opened it up for beta we cleaned it up a little bit made it for commercial use and we opened it for beta just 100 users and we said hey you know let's see what the reaction is and then 48 hours later we sold out so we were like okay there's some it's a hundred. It's not a lot, but you know, there's some reaction. And then a couple months after we made a few changes, we opened it again for 150 users. It sold out in 24 hours, and we're like, okay, we need to start thinking about a long-term strategy for the software, which we did, and and we started to expand its features and go cloud-based and go browser-based, and it was a very fun experiment. And I have to say that uh, as much as I enjoy the show, Webinar Ninja has taught me so much through the struggles and the challenges that software brings uh, taught me so much on how to be a better entrepreneur. Are you doing your own development with Webinar Ninja or do you work with a team? Uh, no, we, we work with a team. Um, we have a team of four developers and a UX designer, a couple testers, as well as a project manager. It, you know, we've we've grown. I mean, we didn't start out that way. We started out with just one developer and I helped out a little bit. I know a little bit of PHP and, and HTML and CSS, but I'm no way, you know, full-time kind of developer guy. You know, it's I just dabbled in. But, um, you know, we, we started to grow our team as our user base grew. And, you know, now at 10,000 users, you know, we, we need that kind of staff to be, to be able to innovate and change and fix and help and things like that. Now, I may be late on this. So webinar I get is webinar is webinar. That makes sense. But just to talk a little bit about the product, this is me asking for myself, but I'm sure, sure. other entrepreneurs are interested as well this big idea, well, maybe it's not new, but it's this thing where people are creating virtual conferences now, right? Mm -hmm. Does Webinar Ninja sort of support that too? Whereas I want to create this summit, if you will. 
So, so Webinar Ninja is the software that allows you to do that. So some people use like some sort of add-on plugin or software for Google Hangouts, which is like a web conference tool. So we, we don't use Hangouts. We use a, a, a software called WebRTC, which is or a technology called WebRTC, which is uh, the video uh, streaming technology that we use. It's a little bit more of the latest technology when it comes to live conferences because there is zero delay. It's absolutely live and allows people to interact in live time. At the same time, you know, it's what's what's kind of coming in the future. You know, Facebook Live uses WebRTC. So we've supplied the whole software in terms of like, you know, your registration pages, the emails that go out to your users when they sign up for the webinar. You know, you can run the webinar within our software. You can make offers. You can, you know, give, you know, give incentives, polls, chats, things like that. So we are trying to make it as easy as possible to run a webinar so people can teach, build rapport with their audience and uh, make a sale if they want to. That's really cool. So you you have such a large following on all these different devices, and I know you can do maybe some cross you know marketing through the podcasting and maybe Webinar Ninja. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. But how does someone else who is creating a widget, if you will, um, or they're having a podcast, how do they create the buzz to get to the point of? And maybe they won't have fifty thousand downloads a day like your podcast, mm. or ten thousand users like your webinar. But even if they want a fraction of that, now we hear generically like, "Hey, you can go out and promote on Facebook." But what are some real tactical approaches, Omar? Do you think someone should take if I'm a new business mm-hmm. guy and I have a widget that I want to get into the space? What should my first focus be? So I'm a big believer of content marketing. So you definitely need to like the answer. The short answer is it's going to take some hard work, and I'll, I'll just share some of the things that worked for me. And what I would highly recommend is understanding that you have to be the thought leader. You have to be the person that they go to to learn about your topic. So say, for example, you have an app that, uh, I don't know, measures your heart rate or mm-hmm. something like that. You know, So you want to be in the health and fitness industry. You want to help people in that industry. You want to be able to be, whether you're providing videos or you know blog posts or podcast episodes or webinars or whatever you're doing, you need to produce content to show people that you can help them in this area. And therefore, your app will go hand in hand with your teachings. So one of the things I do and did heavily uh, for the last few years with Webinar Ninja and the $100 MBA is I, I do a lot of content marketing that I, I blog a lot on our, on our blog, but as well as I do guest blogging, which means I write for other blogs that have an audience I want to get in front of. Audiences that you may not perceive as a direct you know, audience. So for example, you know, I guess uh, blogged at uh, Digital Photography School by Darren Rouse, which is a huge site about digital photographers, people that are in the photography game. Some are pro, some are semi-pro. But I analyzed the site, realized that there's not a lot of great articles on how to go pro as a business, how to be a freelancer in photography, and how do you actually monetize your craft. I uh, I looked at all the comments on the site and I decided, hey, I'm going to try to fill this need. And I wrote a 2,500 word article on how to go pro as a photographer, images and all and everything. I wrote it out before even contacting the site. And then I contacted the site and said, hey, you know, I would love to write for you. Um, this is, you know, I analyze your site. This is what I see. This is where I think it's lacking. I think you should, you know, fill these gaps either with me or without me. You know, I wrote an article for you with this in mind. It's attached on this email. You know, let me know if you'd like to publish it. You know, that's a lot easier to get a yes out of when mm-hmm. it's already there and it's all produced and they see the work you've put into it. And I just did that over and over to many blog sites and w- was able to get in front of a lot of audiences and they head on over to my site at the end. You know, I give a call to action where I give them a free where it's like, you know, a free guide or a free video course or something like that. 
And um, I'm allowed to, it gives me a chance to build, you know, a relationship with them and build some rapport. And then I can let them know about my product or service. Are these typically larger, more well-known blogs than just your run-of-the-mill blogs? And that's no offense uh, to anyone because... Yeah, to be honest with you, Priest, I hit those big blogs, but I also didn't say no to any other blog. You know, like I would, just to give you an idea, you know, I would write about 10 articles a week. I would write about five for other blogs, five for my own blog. Uh, you know, I would I would really go to town and really dedicate the time to make this happen. Um, and the reason why I do this is because people don't understand that you know search engine optimization is huge. Google loves text. If mm-hmm. you can write a great article and help people and it's shared, you know, it's really going to help you and help you get found and help you n- not be ignored. So I, that's really what I what I was trying to do. And that's just one strategy. You know, I try to get on other podcasts like I'm doing right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I try to share my messages with other people. I do a lot, you know do webinars things like that. So that's kind of what I've done to kind of just get in front of other audiences and that's takes a lot of work rolling up your sleeves and doing the work it does and i in all transparency because you know i am here to help my audience as well is i have a virtual assistant that i use and these are real podcasts that i listen to typically but i actually reach out or have the virtual assistant i handpick those podcasts to reach out to the different podcasters and ask to be a guest on their show and i outline what kind of value i think i can give to their audience and all that stuff yes some of it is self-promotion but to your point it's also meant to build up some um, authority in the space or the particular niche that I'm going after. Most of it, of course, is affiliate marketing. But you know, the reason why I asked about the blogging piece and being on smaller blogs, and again, this was no knock to anyone's blog. I think the first step is one of many for a lot of people, but you know, because you hear about Penguin and Google's algorithm that sometimes looks mm-hmm. at the guest posting and people will get pinged or hit for being a guest on different posts and their content won't be regarded and all this different stuff. And you hear conflicting stories out in the SEO yeah. space. So that's why I asked. I mean, for, for me, I just was trying to give people a chance as well, because I've been in that spot where like you you can't really make relationships because people don't know who you are, smaller, yep. newer blogs. Um, the other thing is, you know, I, I also believe that, yes, you want to get in front of people, but I also want to allow myself time and opportunities to get better as a writer. You know, yes. like you know, the more you do, the better you're going to get. So even if I write for a smaller blog that's not going to get, you know, millions of hits, that's fine as long as I'm in that mode and that craft. And I just saw it as a long term strategy where it's like if I if I keep writing and I keep doing it, I'll get better. And then when I do hit the higher, you know, the higher traffic sites, the article will be more effective. That's good. I love how you think. I really do. Because that's exactly the way to approach it is kind of sharpening yourself in terms of your writing or when you're speaking to other people, you know, making sure you get your message stronger and stronger every time you go. So what is the one thing, Omar, that when you look at your business as a whole, you know, all these pieces that you have as your business, what do you think separates you or what what do you want me to see you as as a business person not just even if i didn't know anything about your podcast or your other businesses what am i really to take away from omar what does he mean to me and nicole let's look at you guys as a team one of the things that we try to do is is try to make people understand that we're here to help you and we've been in your shoes before and that this is not rocket science. You can make this happen, whether it's building a business, starting, uh, you know, building a product or doing a webinar, whatever it is. The other thing is that we're dedicated to make sure that you learn what you're seeking. You know, if you're seeking to, you know, find a better website hosting provider, or if you're looking to how do I launch my product properly or whatever, we're trying to make sure that you can learn this information easily, effectively in a short amount of time. You know, brevity is 
is is a very valuable commodity these days. So if I can be able to teach somebody something in ten minutes, they're going to highly regard it more than something that takes you know a few hours. Mm-hmm. So. That's kind of what we're trying to do, make things easy, make things a little bit simpler for people to understand. One of the things I always talk about is, you know, whether you're doing this on a webinar, you're teaching on a podcast or whatever it is, it's not just about the information. You need to make sure you be able to deliver the information properly. You know, you got to be able to deliver it in a way that people can comprehend it. And what is comprehension? Comprehension is two things. It's understanding and retention. Like I need to understand the information. I need to retain the information so I can use it. So if I cram too much information in a topic or in a webinar or whatever it is, it's going to be very hard for you to remember every single thing. But if I go like all in deep on one topic, on one area, you're going to get it and you're going to remember it because I will be have enough time for it to drill it home and be able to, to you know, recall it and be able to do that. So, you know, th- that's kind of our philosophy and the way we see things in in everything we do in our business. You have a great education. Your background is awesome. But what do you think about a college degree or how important do you think it is in this sort of quote unquote new economy that we're in? So you probably that's a good question. I mean, I I, I would say that um, I highly uh, recommend if you are in this position where you can take a you know take a time out after high school. If there's a way for you to not go directly to college, I I really believe that 18 for a lot of the adolescents in in the Western world, they're not really ready to make that choice of what they want to do for the rest of their life. You know, they're not. It's really hard, and I really think it would be a good idea for people to maybe travel or do an internship or get a job and work somewhere and realize, realize, understand what the real world is like, Mm -hmm. understand what their role is going to be in the world and what can they, what value they can add in the world. That's going to be a lot better. I think if they can take a year or two and then decide, okay, I think I want to go into this area of study or I want to go to college or maybe I want to start something for myself. Personally, I think that if you are a hundred percent sure that you want to be an entrepreneur, that you want to start a business, then I do believe that in a lot of ways, you know, a higher education it may be a little bit of a waste of money because especially if you're in the states the states you know higher education is expensive you know if you're living in australia or the uk you know it's very much subsidized you can get a four year degree for less than five thousand dollars if that's the case you have no excuse you can you can go get that degree and you can get the experience of learning something and be a little bit more cultured and understand the world around you but the point is if you're not from those societies then it, you're looking at a fifty thousand dollar debt a hundred thousand dollar debt so is it really worth it if you don't need a piece of paper to to get a job if you're looking to build something for yourself and be an entrepreneur which is a which is a minority it's not that's not the majority of people you know then you may want to consider you know investing in yourself and learning and you know i always say that you know higher education doesn't have a monopoly on education like mm-hmm. you you can learn these things outside of school you know there's the internet now and there's mm-hmm. books and there's there's all these things that you can retain this information so but there's like the mba shows just taking over for college i, I won't yeah. even name them <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it just depends on what your goals are if you do want to get into management if you do want to work for a corporation for a, for a company even a startup you know, a college degree can help. Yeah. And, and the reason why I asked this, Omar, is because so many times, especially in this business that space, you know, we always create these keywords and, and then, you know, we throw them all over the place like passion and what is your calling? What is your passion? You know, what I always think about college kids, and I have two in college right now. So I don't want anybody to think that this is a smash on college whatsoever. But I certainly think that college isn't, and correct me here, I'm, I'm open to be corrected, but I don't think college is meant to necessarily find your passion. I think it will ignite some things. I think it will help you along if you're trying to figure out where your place is in the world. Although there's other ways to do that too. You just mentioned about traveling maybe or going to school abroad 
But, you know, college is kind of meant to teach you to work for someone, not necessarily yeah. teach you to be an entrepreneur and find your quote unquote passion. That's and- true. And I would encourage young people that are in that stage, whether they're in university, college or they're, you know, they're they're not it's to stop asking yourself that question. Don't worry about your passion right now. You'll that will come naturally. What you really need to focus on is what kind of value can I add to the world? Mm-hmm. What unique value can I contribute? And that's how you can be competitive in this world is that you can understand that, hey, I have something that I, I'm good at or something that I, enjoy, you know, I, I enjoy learning. So therefore I can become better at, you know, you may not like I'll give I always give this example. And it may or may not make sense to people, but my parents are Egyptian. They migrated to the U.S. before I was born. And, you know, so I understand Egyptian culture. I understand Arabic. I understand this world. Right. You know, I have a competitive advantage if I wanted to do a travel show about Egypt. Right. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's just something I because I know the culture. So mm-hmm. like it would make more sense for me to do that. Right. If if that's something I like to do or something I can have a competitive advantage about. If you're somebody who loves computer programming or development and it's something you've been doing as a kid, it makes more sense for you to to do something in that world rather than just drop all that and say, hey, I'm going to be a life coach. Why? You can help a lot more people by teaching them how to develop or how to build a, you know, a software company or whatever it is, you know. So think about the value you can add the world rather than what's my passion because it's a very hard question, you know, to answer. On top of that, you're going to feel a lot of fulfillment and significance in this world when you are helping other people. That's really good. That is awesome awesome advice. It's kind of you know what I told my kids. I, you know, my son goes to school for one thing. My daughter wanted to go political science. You know, in some sense, college does help you go that route. Otherwise, it gets harder to to go in some other ways for what she wants to do. She speaks very fluent Spanish, and she wants to literally sit up in the embassy. So you want to be able to make connections and go through college. So she goes because of that route. So they kind of understand what they want to do a little bit in that direction. However. I was still the first to tell them, like, if you ever want to take a step back and really examine what it is you want to do, I'm not going to pressure or push you to go to college. And I think this is the first generation that has taken a step back and doesn't make college seem like the be all. So I think someone Mm -hmm. like you has been through school and you've seen the successes of it and you've taken in both sides of being an entrepreneur and going through college. I think you're the ideal person to kind of ask because you're looking from both perspectives. And I think the advice and the input that you have there is is really good. So let me ask something. You know, you can totally plead the fifth on this if you want to, because you don't want to get up into anything that seems like it's hating, but it's not hating. I'm asking just a serious question here. What do you think? (laughs) Do you think internet stardom has become almost nauseating? And here's why I'm asking this, because I think a lot of entrepreneurs today are getting so wrapped up into the new app Fluffy and this, that there's so much noise out there from entrepreneurs and the entrepreneurs are becoming the celebrities and they're writing these books and they mm-hmm. that they get lost in their own sauce. And I think that they lose focus. Yeah. And so do you think internet stardom or celebrity has sometimes taken the focus away from some of these entrepreneurs? Or are you just saying, Priest, don't be so cynical about this dude? <laughs> I'm somewhere in the middle. I okay. do recognize that, that that's happening. But I do also recognize that we're in a bubble right now. You know, things are, you know, very popular now. Entrepreneurship is sexy, all that stuff. Everybody wants to be an entrepreneur. Everybody thinks they can be an entrepreneur. And that's all great and dandy, but give it some time and all that's going to fizzle out and the cream will rise to the top. Mm. Those who are actually contributing to the world, those who are actually doing great work, those who are actually helping other people, you know, making a big spectacle and making a big show out of it and just, you know, all promotion, 
they're going to go quick. And it's funny because you see this in podcasting all the time. You know, people launch shows and it's like, this is going to be a killer show. <laughs> da, 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 da. And then, you know, a few months down the line, they just can't hack it because it's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and they just stop doing the show and then they're gone. So, you know, history repeats itself. We have these things happen in all markets. I just like to tell myself to be patient. Yeah. And and podcasting, you hit it right on the head. That is something that in some sense, you didn't think you really needed any true commitment in, but you absolutely have to be committed to the podcasting game in terms of getting to know the people that you're interviewing like here or just setting up your own identity within the space requires a little bit of thought. You, I mean, I know some people just think they can holler into the mic in their computer and it should work <laughs> out from there. Maybe it does in some rare cases, but you really should give it some thought. Hey, you know, one of the things, Omar, that I really admire about you as we wrap up here is, and you talked about this earlier about you and your your wife, Nicole, being partners within the business. And when you started your first podcast, you transitioned away from that because it just didn't work the way you wanted it to go in. But here you had a partner, your wife, someone that you can bounce ideas with and she could be critical of you and vice versa, or you can encourage one another and root for one another. You know, you always hear about the failure of husband and wife teams being too close within a business or something like that. How has that worked for for you guys? How have you been able to really move forward and create some successful pieces in business working together? You have to respect each other's strengths and each other's roles. I think that's that's the the thing you have to start out with. You have to understand that her contribution to the business are these things and these are my things. So when it comes to her things, you know, she has executive rights. If she wants she has the final say. So when it comes to the production of the show, you know, I tell her, Hey, here's my opinion, but you make the final call because that's your area and that's very defined. And the same thing goes with me. So you have to have that mutual respect, professional respect. And you can't really do business with somebody if you don't respect them professionally because mm. you start to re- you know resent them. Like I really see that I'm married to my business partner and not the other way around. You know, so you have to see it that way or it's going to really start to crumble because if you start to say like, you know, my wife, she makes a horrible business partner, like that's not the way to go with it because, you know, when it comes to business, she's your partner first before she's your wife. She just happens to be your wife, you know, or she happens to be your girlfriend or, or your partner in life. So that's just something to think about. Like you have to have that mutual respect professionally. That's really good. So what are you working on right now? Are you just continuing to build the podcast and your other businesses? Do you have something new in the pipeline? Anything you want to share with the folks? Pretty much, we've been growing the podcast as much as we can, and uh, and and continuing with that. Uh, we're really excited about uh, our uh, new version of Webinar Ninja 5.0 coming out uh, in earlier 2017. So that's been a lot of work. But other than that, if anybody is interested in learning more about what we do, you can uh, check us out on iTunes or Stitcher or whatever you're using to listen to this podcast right now. Uh, the Hundred Dollar MBA Show is our podcast. What about Twitter, Facebook, anywhere they can connect with you? There, I'm mostly active on Twitter, so you can. Uh, tweet me at the Omar Zenhom. That's O M A R Z E N H O M. On Twitter is usually where I respond to people. Sounds good, Omar. It's been a pleasure talking to you, my friend. Thanks, Priest. Appreciate it. Have a great day. You too. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Missions and Marketplace. If you have a brand or business that you want to take online, or you're already online and looking for more exposure, visit us at affiliatemission.com, the premier affiliate marketing and management agency. Also feel free to get social with us and check our Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter pages and share with us your story on how you're leaving a mark in the world.
Please look at me and say this. I'm the best ever. My style is impetuous. My defense is impregnable. And I'm just ferocious. <laughs>